Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt and Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. Welcome, everyone. Hello. And those of you who are watching on video on either YouTube or Twitch, you may have noticed a little bit of a difference in the countdown and uh, a little bit of a difference here because we have our little TVPG box up here in the corner. And um, it's... It's sort of a little bit of preemptive maintenance, I guess you could say. And and not necessarily a bad thing anyway. If you were to take out the issue that, that is behind it, it's not necessarily yeah. a bad thing anyway. So we have been following the COPPA thing, and we will have a more extensive discussion of this more than likely next Monday because the the, the window of comment... And feedback that the FTC has allowed goes through December 9th. So that, well, we're still digging through all of the mess and the the filings of the the documents and, and the discussion and whatnot. And from what I can see so far, and I'm not a lawyer, and I'm not advising anybody who's got a channel, but... From what I've seen so far, YouTube is being a little disingenuous with their for kids, not for kids, giving us only those two options. Because the FTC, in their recent blog entries, apparently have said, oh, no, 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 we get the whole mixed audience thing. We know that there's going to be channels that are not directed for kids that may have, you know, animated elements and bright colors and whatever. And, you know, it's like, we, we get it, you know? So the, the blind $42,000 panic that everybody was, was going through last week might not be justified. Now, would that be, and I have not, I've, I've not looked into this much, uh, myself aside from some very surface level things, right? Right. Um, is it, could it be that YouTube is just like going, we don't want to deal with the gray areas. We're just going to give you the two options so that we don't have to muck with it. Not now, realizing how much it's going to bite them. Now, apparently there's a, a there's a lawyer, um, and, I, and I can't remember his name, but I watched this video. There was a lawyer who's been following this. He's a, he's a you know, he's got his own YouTube channel and he says, you, you know, he gives advice and whatnot. And apparently somebody on the inside of YouTube called him hmm. anonymously. So take it with a grain of salt. Grain of salt, sure. And he said that he got told from this YouTuber that the reason YouTube had done the for kids, not for kids, all or nothing option was because any other option would hurt their bottom line. So it's a corporate thing. Yeah, yeah. However, I'm also seeing, though, that... You know, we have marked our channel not for kids. Just just the blanket click, here it is, not for kids. 
add. So as part of that, we're doing the disclaimer, you know, mm -hmm. not for kids 13 and under, parental guidance and, you know, the TVPG sure, right, yeah. thing. None of this has been mandated, and I don't have any idea if it's even going to be applicable. If the FTC comes down on us and says, blah, blah, blah. On the other hand, like I said, we are, while we don't actively swear a lot on the shows... Uh, and we don't actively pursue kids as our audience. Right. And then, well, as I said, we don't actively get, I mean, kids yeah. are, while while certainly young science fiction fans are a real thing, and, and I'm all for that, I used to be one a million years ago, but the the reality is is that we are, we talk about a lot of things that would not necessarily be applicable for really yeah. young audiences. And that's, so I don't, I don't, if this was a thing that we did just because we did it, that you sat there and went, we're just going to do this. I would have zero issues with it. Um, and I'm not entirely sure how I feel about the COPPA thing on a don't target children with advertising angle. Well, what, on what the it other is, hand. See, the thing, the thing <laughs> is, the way, the way it's been written, now it was written, I guess we can get into it now, COPPA was originally written in 1998. Mm -hmm. Was written by Ed Markey, who's a Democrat senator from Massachusetts, and it has since been revised a couple of times. And what happened this past year, you had a number of children's adv advocacy groups who went in and complained that YouTube was gather gathering all this data on children. Right. Now, the caveat to that is if you look at the terms of service of YouTube and Google, if you have a Google account or you're able to, you know, you can only comment and like and do all those things if you're signed in through a Google account. Sure. You can only get a Google account if you're 13 years of age or older. So the terms of service basically restrict the entire platform to 13 and up. Now, the, practic I was the gonna practical say, reality of it the is. The reality yes, is. <laughs> this, and... and up until this last revision, mm -hmm. this put the onus on the parents. Sure, right. Which is not a bad place for some of the onus to be. Right. And I do want to say that's some of it. And it's only in this last iteration, this one that's about to kick in, where it starts looking at advertisers and the right. marketing aspects of things. And basically the idea is that YouTube is not supposed to be collecting data, data, on children, right. and children defined as under 13. Right. YouTube has thrown the creators under the bus from what creators have been able to gather with all of this stuff. Basically, YouTube saying, you know, it's got to be for kids or not for kids. Right. If it's for kids, then comments are turned off. Right. Search is turned off. Right. Um, likes are turned off. Any kind of interaction at all. It doesn't show up on any recommended lists or anything like that. So all of the interactivity that would be, you know, and you know, the data mining, quote unquote, sure. that stuff's all turned off, which means that the ad revenue is limited as well. Because, you know, if this, if, say if this video, for instance, were marked for kids, right. we'd get a bunch of, you know, say Hasbro c commercials and sure, our right. entire recommended feed next, next to our video would be Peppa Pig. Sure. Whereas. I would love it. If Peppa Pig ended up in our just just because just because right? it'd be like well sure but at the same time 
the the FTC has basically said, and and the briefing is what had everybody panicked. Is you had this director named Smith who was coming in and saying, well, you know, it's going to be like shooting fish in a barrel because if any video is marked for kids, right, and the FTC determines in their sweep that your video actually should not be for kids, forty eight thousand dollars, forty two thousand and some change, right, per video. We have over a thousand videos, right? And and part of the part of the issue that I think concerned a lot of people is that the FTC is they are a one of those government agencies which is way understaffed, yeah. and so when it comes to enforcement, they're less likely to give you the let's talk about it discussion as opposed to the here's the bill discussion because there's only so many hours in the day right. and only so many people to process those Although things. I am seeing a number of videos where people are saying, we've talked to FTC, we've contacted FTC, and apparently they've been very responsive in answering questions sure, about but, all of this stuff. But when you come, it becomes, if this thing rolls out and then it comes time for enforcement, enforcement is often... Yeah. A completely different, and that's one of the part, things part of that business. people are asking when you do the comment. Right, is we're asking for a, a better definition of enforcement, mm -hmm. a, a better enforcement statement, better definitions of what is targeted for kids. Sure, uh, you know, a, a, a dedicated, meant for kids, and that kind of thing. So, um, so we're going to be taking a look at it and uh, and going through. Apparently, there are hours and hours and hours of workshop video. Oh, I'm sure. And and stuff besides the original COPPA from '98. Then you've got the revised document and then the the updated stuff. So it's still a work in progress, which is good. I don't <laughs> think it's going to be quite the, the quite the disaster that everybody is thinking about. But given the fact that we've already gone through two adpocalypses, and I heard somebody mention something about Elsa Gate. I have no idea what Elsa Gate was, so I'm going to have to look at that. So you know, you had the Vox adpocalypse, now you had the the kids adpocalypse, and whatever Elsa Gate was, and now this, and. There are some people that are thinking that YouTube is throwing the creators under the bus in a, an opening move to start sliding toward being another streaming service that would compete with Disney Plus and Hulu and all of that. Now, interesting to note, I did run across this on on uh, on Twitter. I went to go find it again and I couldn't find it. There is a there's a YouTube channel, a guy who plays video games. Mm -hmm. And that's where a lot of this concern is because video games are for kids, right? Well, you have video Depends games. Depends on are, the video game. Yeah, you have this guy plays video games that are marked T for teen or M for mature. Sure, right. And he's and they're clearly marked, and he says, you know, at, these are T or M. So he marks his channel not for kids, right? And somebody at YouTube manually switched him over. To four kids, and it's and and you know we've run into the to the monetization problem where it's you know this video may not be appropriate for all all advertisers right and you can request a review mm -hmm, sure. and then they'll say yes or no after manual review. There's a note there that there's mm -hmm. been a, an, a a person that's seen it. Well, this guy had his channel switched, or at least a video, where he's playing a T or M video game and it got switched manually by a person at YouTube 
to four kids, which means that if the FTC went in and saw his video marked for kids and it's not, $42,000. He says, this is sabotage. This is, who knows how many, now it could be negligent. It could be somebody at YouTube just flipped it and didn't know what they were doing. Human error. Human error, sure. I mean, and yeah, so let's, let's make that very, very clear. But human error is versus doing it on purpose to hurt somebody. But given YouTube's track record, it the possibility of weaponizing this is there. Sure. So, we'll 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 look at it. Like I said, I I I don't have an inherent issue with not targeting children. The the idea, I mean, we all know, yes. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all these different things have, have age restrictions. But we know. Yeah. I mean, you just, you'd have to, you'd have to be really, really naive to think that kids aren't watching this or that some parents, because they get busy or whatever, they sit there and they use, you know, when we were kids, people used the TV as a babysitter. Now oh, they sure. use the internet. Sure. Um, well, and, and, you know, you have an entire generation. We've talked about this before. iGen, you have, you have this generation that's completely wired into devices. Right. So, you know, YouTube, Facebook, YouTube especially, Snapchat. You and know. there's tons of kids' content on YouTube. So, I mean, it's not like they're just going, you Right, know. And, and it's now in YouTube Kids is going to be that destination for all of that. And there's a ton of content over there. And honestly, you know, the, as much as I completely understand why advertisers go after kids, I mean, we grew up on Saturday morning cartoons that were mm-hmm. essentially um, ads for product. <laughs> I mean, you know, as much as, as much fun as the Transformers uh, and as fun as people, you know, fond bon, bon memories, the cartoon right. was created to sell a toy, guys. Yeah. Um, and there were a lot of cartoons, a lot of things that we're really fond of that were created to sell toys. And so this is not a new thing. But at the same time, um, yeah, it's... Yeah. A, so that's... Always that's entertaining. Pr- that's likely to be our full topic next week. It is not our topic this week, yeah. although we, we kind of digress because... I wanted to explain some of the new oh, 15 minutes. It's elements. not bad. It's, it's not, not bad. bad. It's yeah, not 15 bad. minutes. So, okay. So our, hello, Robert. Robert jumping hey, into the chat. Um, okay. So Thanksgiving is Thursday. Turkey day. Turkey day. Going to go down and see my family. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think, I think we may, we may do a little bit of, of visiting with relatives as well. A little, a little relativity. So my um, my folks live in Wichita. My sister lives in Wichita. My brother lives up in in Virginia, which is where I when I went to DC. I got to see my brother. Uh, the in laws, my sister's husband's family lives way out there in the Kansas, <laughs> and uh, pretty traditionally, I have not been so every other. Thanksgiving, it's either in Wichita or it's out at the in-laws, sure. which is great. Like everyone gets to see each other. My folks drive out there. My sister and her family drives out there. Um, I don't go to Thanksgiving when it's when I, because I'm, I'm in Kansas City. It's a sure. seven-hour drive. And up until this year, it's been I've worked the day before Thanksgiving. I worked the day after Thanksgiving. And a 14-hour drive to basically have lunch <laughs> does not seem, it was never really appealing. Um, and this year it's actually in Wichita, so I don't have to worry about it. Okay. But at the same time, nobody at my job is going to work on Friday. 
none of us are. I wouldn't expect um, that. And so, but again, since like two, 1992. It's a new thing for you, isn't it's it? It's so weird. <laughs> I, have so, I have so much, I have so much time off. Jason, I'm going to lose time off. It's going to roll over into next year and I can only carry 80 hours over and I'm going to lose time off. Well, you should tell your boss that you have I'm to taking take December it. off. You have to take time <laughs> no. off? No, actually... Um, Oh, she had a, we had a very funny conversation. She gave me this very mock lecture. It's like, mm. you've got to work less. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, fine. I will agree with her All because right, if you work less for her, then you could write articles for me. Uh, there's so many things. This, yeah, the funny thing is, is this, that for all the time that I was expecting to have, because I really do have a ton of flexibility. Yeah. Uh, there have been so many things going on that it's been just like one thing after another. We, we've gone from one really cool thing, and I've actually done I've done more design work as a graphic designer, which is my degree is in. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done more design work in the last year than I've done in 20 years prior to that. That's good. Which is really fantastic. On the other hand, it was, <laughs> it was like, I wasn't expecting to be doing all this design work. Um, yep. But it means I get to go to cool conferences that I really had no reason to be at. I mean, I'm not a... I work for a grant writing company. I am not a grant professional. I'm a professional who works at a grant writing company. But I'm a professional editor and a professional graphic designer and a professional right. assistant. Um, hello, dog. Uh, but <laughs> hello, little dog. Junior office dog. Junior office dog. just going nuts over oh, here. Oh, that's okay. I've got a junior office cat or the assistant to the assistant to yes, the assistant. Yes, you do. You have um, two now. You I have, have two now. Two. And uh, she does much the same thing, only she's lighter and gets more airborne quickly. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, so that's one of the things that I have to start really thinking about next year is, okay, I really do have all this time. How, where do I use it? How do I, you know... Go down to New Orleans and visit my friend Anne Marie. Never been to New Orleans. Yep. Go, go out to L.A. and visit our friend Sharon and 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 my friend Jared and a handful of friends out in L.A. Still, I uh, I have some friends in, in New Orleans as well. Maybe we can we'll we'll contact New Orleans Comic Con. There we go. And make a big trip out of it. I've never been to New Orleans. I'd really really love to go and and. Uh, it's always great when I get a chance to see Anne Marie because she's helping. She helped a, friend, a really good friend of mine, and she helped with a lot of my films. Um, but uh, she's made it up to town a couple of times, two, three times since she went yep. down there, and and I've made exactly zero trips to New Orleans. So. The other thing with the with the Kappa thing and and the events that we've been talking about maybe doing, we've we've looked. We're starting to look ahead at twenty twenty and some right, different yeah. things. And for me. Um, if we were able to monetize our content with advertisers mm-hmm. as opposed to Google ads, right? Yeah, that's one less sure point of vulnerability mm-hmm. for us. So right. I think that's going to be one of those things where we're gonna we're gonna be a little bit more aggressive in pursuing some sponsors for our programs because we we want to go like yeah. to New Orleans and Salt Lake City and. What was the um, what was the event that we just contacted it was out in Salt Lake I think wasn't it is we I, I reached out to somebody I think it was at Salt Lake it wasn't Salt Lake Comic Con but it was another event out there. I thought you reached out to Liberty. Oh, Liberty Con, yeah, Liberty Con in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So hopefully we'll hear back from them and we'll 
see what we can see. But yeah, I, it would it would be nice. I mean, you know, to to roll into our topic of things that we're thankful for. I am thankful that we've got, you know, the viewers and the mm -hmm. subscribers and and all of that. But you know, it's it's like it, we have these things that we want to do, yeah. and they cost money. So, well, keeping in mind that you know, and I guess I can, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that I have all this time that I haven't taken this yeah. year um but it also becomes one of those things where you know if whereas previously there was always this like restriction in my life where if we wanted to go to a con my being able to go was simply like you know, i just couldn't i couldn't yeah. afford to go or the job wouldn't let me go or, or whatever getting time off was always difficult um now i can actually work from anywhere in the country <clears throat> and both my laptops now have my laptop and the work laptop i don't Personally, you know, I've got I've got two laptops. No, it's one one's for work. But both of them now have editing software on them. So if That's I can good. I can work from anywhere. Robert says he's thankful that Thanksgiving was over a month ago. Canada? 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 Canada. <laughs> Thanksgiving in Canada. Um It's not a country. <laughs> it's a state of mind. Um I don't I, is Robert yes. is, is okay. Yeah, Robert yeah, is, yes. yeah, yeah that's right. Thanksgiving, Canadian. Canadian Thanksgiving. Um, well, in the the amount of time being being self employed as I am, and and having that kind of flexibility in the time and and the whatnot on my schedule, um, I I find a little bit of frustration in that I'm not able to write articles as as often as I'd like. Because I'm trying to, I'm trying to get other people to write their articles. It's like, would you please write your? Well, article? you know, and and just get, you know, just because you're self-employed doesn't translate into I have a lot of free time. Sometimes oh, it translates no. into I'm working all the time. So. I I am. I'm working all the time. I have somebody who gets me up at five o'clock in the morning, four forty-five, five o'clock in the morning, some night, some mornings, and then I can't really go back to sleep. But I'm up. I'm a night a night owl, so I'm up, you know, ten, eleven, twelve o'clock at night. So, catches up. But that's what naps are for. <laughs> naps are a beautiful thing. I'm thankful for naps. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I am thankful for that one who wakes me up at four forty-five, five o'clock in the morning. I, I, it, my life was very much different before I met Mindy, and I'm. Very happy that I did. Yeah, because me too. Things, you did things too. are much better now than they were. I mean, you know, she's got to put up with you, but other than that. Well, that's true. But she doesn't put pe uh, pineapple on pizza. It's because that's not what pineapple is for. That's not what pineapple is for. Although I did, I, I did find a new use for it the other day. Yes. I put a few cubes of pineapple in the crock pot with the brisket. Mm-hmm. Sure. It turned out pretty well. I I was fairly happy with it. So I have actually had Canadian bacon and pineapple pizza before and eaten it. My dad likes it. And so I've had it. And I'm like, okay, it's not it's not what I would do with pizza. No. Because I don't I actually like pineapple and I just don't think it's like I wouldn't put it in my chicken noodle soup. I wouldn't put it on my pizza. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with pineapple on pizza.
just saying it's not a favorite of mine. You, Everyone is allowed to have any kind of pizza they like. Jalapenos and pineapple, you get a little sweet. You get spicy. Uh, See, for... By the way, your camera should be working. Jalapenos, it's you do that with uh, sausage, beef, and jalapeno with a little bit of onion. Mm-hmm. That's good. And the pineapple gives them just a little bit of... On a of thin food. crust. Yeah. But there's nothing wrong with pineapple. I'll tell you what, that was, the, that was one of the really funny things when I was in D.C. <clears throat> because I wasn't at the conference that we were at. I wasn't actually registered with the conference, so I couldn't go to the dinners and the lunch and everything. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> there are all kinds of places I wasn't supposed to be able to go. Funny thing, carry a camera. <clears throat> it'll let you everywhere. Yeah. Uh, but all around me were all these little restaurants. So I'd leave the hotel. I'd just like pick a direction and go find someplace to eat lunch. Uh, and so I ate a lot of really interesting pizza in D.C. Because there was like a dozen different pizza places all within like a 10-minute walk of the hotel. Cannibal baby ribs pizza? What is that? Um, it, is that? I don't know, but it, I'm... Robert Robert in the chat is... Um, we do not recommend the eating of that, children on that, this channel. I'd no, just like to no, point that out. No, this is... Wait, you know, that whole not for kids thing. <laughs> <laughs> that goes completely in a different direction. But Although I have joked before, and I, I, I have said, I love children with a nice white wine sauce about 400 degrees for about two hours. <laughs> <laughs> some faffa beans. With some faffa nice beans and nice guillotine. <laughs> exactly. Um, but no, um, I, I cannot in, in good conscience recommend the consuming of other human beings. No. Um, no. Although, interestingly enough, I can't remember what I was listening to. It was some some podcast where they were talking about the uh, the the court case in England that finally got rid of the general acceptance of the idea that if you were shipwrecked and had to eat one of your crew members to survive, people sat there and went, "We understand." I mean, it was a it was a legitimate. It was still a thing. It, it was legitimate, and it was like it was like a hundred years ago. I mean, it wasn't. I mean, or or, or oh, I, I guess I guess about I guess probably one hundred fifty years ago now. A um, hundred years ago was early twentieth century. Yeah, I don't I don't think it was going on that. Yeah, but so it's still it's still. I mean, it was this thing, and and the people, <laughs> the the, pe the guys who came back were like, well, yeah, we had to, and and they were every they were sailors who were so used to people going. That's terrible. We understand. They're there. It's okay because we know you're traumatized. Right. Instead, it was you're going to jail, and they're like, "What?" <laughs> it's like it's just, it's just, so, and it wasn't that long ago in human history. What are you? Maybe what are you doing? Years? Finding a nice place to stick your head. I, um, for those of you listening to the podcast, uh, Junior Office Dog has buried her nose down in the chair. What are you doing? Do I need to put up that PG-13 on there again? <laughs> uh, as long as the sentence... He, he didn't pause too long no. in the sentence. Junior sit, office dog has sit, buried her nose in. Sit down. I was talking about Wait for it. Uh -huh. <laughs> the angle, I think, what is fine. The audience could probably tell. <laughs> Everything is like... There's something else we do not recommend on this channel. The consuming of children. Small animals. Inappropriate relationships with animals. <laughs> Dogs and cats living Three together, together in the area. Yeah, so. Okay. <laughs> oh, my. It's it's going to be kind of loosey-goosey tonight. It's, yeah, that's... It's, uh, 
thought. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I'll tell you what I'm grateful for. One of the things I'm grateful for. Besides uh, a working camera. Working cameras are good. Um, and that is actually a thing that we've complained about on this show is there's so much content out there that we don't have time to watch it. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, a lot of the content I do get to watch is really, really good. And for those of you who remember when shows like Next Generation first came on the air, mm-hmm. um, Next Generation, um, uh, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, all this, when the X-Files came on the air, um, there was a ton of syndicated science fiction shows or shows that... Oh, had, yeah. And most of them were not very good. They were TV shows. They were TV shows. They had limited budgets, and they were ambitious for the time. Some of them were... Um, Mutant X was... Was it Mutant, Mutant X, X was ambitious? The Lost World, uh, Dina. Uh, Nowhere Man. Nowhere Man. Which was, uh, I think, um, a really brilliant piece of television, which suffered very much from having to be stick with the episodic format. Now, if they'd made it, it would be... which is Which is actually a request, by the way, um, HBO, Showtime, when you guys uh, revisit Nowhere Man because it was the prisoner updated for the nineties. Mm. Now give me give us the prisoner updated for the twenty first century. It could yep. be really terrifying. <laughs> um, the surveillance state writ, writ large. Oh, um, no kidding. But there was there's so much good content now, and even if you don't, so I mean, if maybe depending on depending on what your niche is, if you happen to be like a big Game of Thrones fan. You don't have as much options out there for fantasy on television right now, right? But it's out there. Um, you can still find stuff that's that's being produced. Um, there's a lot more um, twenty minutes into the future kind of things happening on TV right now. But there's there's hard science fiction. You get the Expanse, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it's it's moved over to Amazon, but. Uh, the fact that it actually, you know, existed at all, that we got as many seasons of before it right. got moved over to Amazon, is kind of amazing considering how much it is a, it is a, a arc-heavy, hard science, um, you know, dealing with things in a way that is not swashbuckling space adventure. Mm. Um, it's got swashbuckling space adventure, but that's not the drive. It's politics yeah. and... And and economics, economics and, and government. I mean, it's all kinds of stuff. If you're a big, if you're a fan of the Expanse series and the books, the the adaptation, excuse me, uh, the TV adaptation is really, really faithful. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, um, get past the first like two, three episodes. They're finding their feet in those first two or three episodes, and then it's just a ride. Yeah. Um, Buzz James has joined us in the chat. Greetings. Hi. Hello. How are you? Um, it's kind of a kind of a loose conversation tonight. Um, one thing that I'm hoping to get to do over the holiday is get some time to read mm-hmm. a little bit. I'm I'm currently reading one of Dayton Ward's Star Trek books, sure. one that I haven't read before. Um, I just finished a new one called Echoes of War, and I can't remember the name of the author. She's She's been in fantasy, but this is her science fiction ah, okay. debut. And so, of course, it's dystopian future alien invasion type of thing. Um, and it's not bad. It's a, it's, it's a fine good, a fine subgenre. Of course, yes. And it's it's a pretty good it's a pretty good first mm-hmm. 
first book in that series. So I've been at listening. some point, I'll write a review. Maybe. I've been listening to two things. I just finished the second installment of what turned out to be a YouTube uh, a, a YouTube series that I I don't watch a lot of YouTube. Mm. Um, it's just not I I don't have enough time to watch the things I want to watch as it is. Right. Well, it's not for kids. Right. And I am a small child, <laughs> uh, but the um, and and I'm not a big creepy pasta person. Oh, uh, yeah. as, as as much as a horror fan as I am, uh, that's not particularly been. I know a little bit about it. There's certain things I've looked into, certain ser- books, stories I've read, and that sort of thing, or or listened to the audio versions of. Um, but it's not really a big thing for me. My kid is a lot more into it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Dustin, Dustin's listened to a lot and read a lot of Creepy Pasta. Uh, Dustin Adair, who's who's written for the site and been on some of our video stuff and does some apocalypse now with me. Um, the but this is called Tales from the Gas Station, and it's basically what if Welcome to Night Vale was like a really run-down, terrible gas station on an edge of town. I think you've told me about this. And the, the, the main character is just completely blasé yeah. about just, I mean, in a, in a, I'm going to die anyway, this is all terrible. Oh no, it's a guy with a knife. Sure, whatever. You know, and it's um, so I just finished that, and then there's a new um, there's uh, one of the things that came out of the wilderness years of Doctor Who was I read a lot of Doctor Who novels, mm. and consequently um, started reading the novels that weren't by by those authors that weren't Doctor Who titles, uh, and. The good news is, is that a lot of those British authors, people I'd never heard of, and now I've been exposed to, and it turns out a lot of them have written some really, really good books. Yeah. And uh, Ben Aronovich, uh, uh, Benedict, Benedict Jaka, um, oh, quite a few. Anyway, anyone listening to the, I'm listening to the, the Felix Castor series by Benedict Jaka, and it's basically... Um, Oh, what is it called? The basically, it's the it's the same kind of story as say, well, it's, it's a more refined Hellblazer. Mm, okay, um, magic and and um, urban fantasy. That's sure. that's what I'm right. looking for. Kind of like uh, 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 Dresden Files yeah. type thing, except uh, with a lot more pol- a lot more wizard politics and backstabbing. Gotcha, and. Um, and the hero finally realizing ten books in that um, he's a little too nice for his own good. Sort of Harry Potter Dresden Files. Um, except without the optimism of youth. <laughs> There's a lot more cynicism, sure. but sure. they're really well written, yeah. and um, so um, that's been really nice actually to be able to sit there. And... Ben Aronovich, I just I just saw an article. They were talking about the the promo that they did with Sophie Aldrin mm-hmm. for the the I guess season twenty six seventh Doctor mm-hmm. season um, is now out on home video and right. they did a little teaser and caught up with Ace mm-hmm. all these years later and she's running she's running a uh, a 
a charitable organization, a non you know, a, a foundation, and I can't remember the name of it. But apparently, the the company was introduced in the Sarah Jane ah, show, sure. mm-hmm. and they brought they brought Sophie Aldred back to to play Ace for the promo. Sure, and it she was you know they had, we were talking to her about it and she said when she read the script she just kind of burst into tears because this is this is ace and, you know yeah. she, she'd come home and of course at the end of that show, uh, at the end of that teaser she you know you hear the you hear the tardis and in seventh doctor's silhouette is on the other side of the, of the door and uh, they interviewed uh uh andrew cartmel because mm-hmm. they were talking about what the plan was for Ace had the show continued. Right, and yeah. Cartmel said that, that Ben Abramovich had come up with all of this storyline for her where eventually they were going to write her off the show and she was going to end up staying on Gallifrey to learn how to be mm-hmm. a pseudo-time lord of sorts right, yeah. and whatnot. And, and uh, Sophie was was telling whoever it was that was talking to her she she says i never knew anything about any of that she's that sounds great i'd love to do that so you know it, and of course people are now with the with the promo out there she's alive yeah and apparently in good health mm-hmm. and loves playing ace to the point where people are saying they're going okay where's where's ace going to be in the new show well and i gotta tell you that if you, if you haven't seen the new trailer for the new season which is out um, the trailer looks pretty good. She's wearing a bow tie, which is nothing wrong with that. Bow ties are cool. Pulls, I guess. Manages to pull off. Actually, pulls off the bow tie pretty well. Uh, but I'm really intrigued by the by the way the Cybermen look different. Because mm. if you look at the still, it's like that's looks an awful lot like a modified design. I'm like, and I'm like, hmm. Hey, what are you guys doing? That's interesting. But it's uh, it's a very action packed kind of rollicking ride kind of trailer. Sure. I was I was rather impressed with it, um, and I think that that would be great. I think that there's you know bring by all means bring her back. Uh, give it would not break my heart to have every season a companion come back and uh, to the, to the show and have a chance to interact with the new companions because. We've talked about this before, and just the doc, talking about Doctor, the history of Doctor Who over on on Tardis Sauce, and some of the other conversations you and I have had, yeah. which is the way the companions were dealt with in the original series and the current show, aren't isn't really the same, and you got that wonderful contrast when you had School Reunion and Sarah Jane um, playing off Rose, and it would be really really interesting to see, and fun, yeah. you know, I mean, Fraser Hines is still around. Bring Jamie back. <laughs> I mean, this could be so much fun, okay. and and um, it would be, you know, and it would also be, you know, I'm I'm still holding out hope that uh, we can get Sean Pertwee in a wig. He's not gonna do it. I know he's he keeps not. Saying he's not gonna do I it. I know he says it. And he's, I, the, I, he's the perfect person to take over for his dad. And I completely believe that he's not going to do it. Doesn't mean I don't want him to I do it. His his what was it? Halloween four years ago. Mm-hmm. Something like that, like, yeah. where he dressed as Third Doctor, and the internet pretty much oh, yeah. exploded because he looked just like his dad. Yeah. Like, oh my. Now, admittedly, um, if you you know Sean Pertwee has made uh, has made a career out of playing characters that were 
pretty different than a lot of the roles his dad played. I mean, it, it wasn't like I don't think it was a conscious choice or anything. It's just that he, he's really when he was younger, he had a really hard. But he still has one. But I mean, he has a really hard look to him. So he played a lot of tough characters and no. soldiers and things like that. Um, he's one of the stars of Dog Soldiers, which is possibly my favorite werewolf movie. If you haven't seen Dog Soldiers, check it out. It's very, very funny and grim and bloody. Yeah. And some of the most interesting, I don't know if I say the American Werewolf in London, still the best werewolf movie. Um, but uh, the, the way they handled the werewolves in... Um, the film mm-hmm. was very interesting, so I, I was really impressed. Um, trying to think. Better than after watching Gotham. Else? Yeah, <laughs> Gotham was a mess. Got well. If you look at Gotham, and you look at Legends of Tomorrow, both of those shows started out as one thing right yeah and then became something else. and then they both each show leaned into the crazy real heavy right and legends of tomorrow made it work <laughs> and gotham didn't although wouldn't you want to see like a time travel episode of the new of the pennyworth show and have Sean, you know I haven't Sean, seen any. I haven't of that either. Yet, I see, but... I just seen the trailers, but it's it's clearly set in sort of a swinging, you know, it's a it's a very Michael Caine world he's living in. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, the nineteen sixties Alfie kind of stuff. Uh, but wouldn't it just you know get the time travel episode and Sean Pertwee shows up? And <laughs> Let me just show you how it's done, young man. Well, you know what would be fun, and they could they could not do it. They won't do it. Don't yeah. even get your hopes up. But if, um. If Donald Logue shows up as Harvey Bullock on Batwoman, that would be great that because would, he's be perfect because he's, he's a perfect Harvey oh, Bullock. He's perfect. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, sure. No, I think that, that would in fact that would actually be uh, actually a, might give people a reason to watch Batwoman. Because <laughs> well, curiously, the uh, uh, there even in shows, even you know the, these shows that don't quite work, um, you can always find one actor who's just yeah. Really, really killing it. I mean, there. Are, I think I watched three seasons of Smallville before I completely gave up on the show. And Michael Rosenbaum is a great Lex Luthor. He is, and and Ben McKenzie is a terrible James Gordon. He is probably yes the most miscast. And that's I I don't as that part. And that's not necessarily something that you know you're gonna. It's really easy to blame the actor a lot of times, but remember folks that the actor is just doing the job they're given. Yeah. And the script that they're given and the direction that they're given. But he he just doesn't. It, He's not I Jim never yes. I never no. bought him as Jim Gordon. No. And I I got to be honest, casting Jeffrey Wright as Jim Gordon in the Batman. I don't know. I don't know how well that's gonna work. He's an amazing actor, though. Yeah, but still. But see, we're following a trend. Let's replace all the redheads with African-Americans. And in TV and yeah, in film. Yeah, but very it's, few. It's I, think, I think a lot, a lot of... I think a lot of... Well, it's... Because gingers have no soul. I am. Well, still. So I am... So I am told I've had... That's a... Again. Don't eat children. <laughs> don't have wrong relationships with animals. And gingers have plenty of soul. Um, just don't date one. Just, I have dated 
two gingers in my life. I had a wonderful time. Anyway. Um, I, I'm not even going to tell my story. Probably best. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, it's one of the, the, the thing that, um, the curious thing, I think, we, uh, if you're a comic book fan, you know that Jim Gordon is a redhead. Mm-hmm. But a lot, I think for most pop culture fans, the idea, you, they tend to think of him more as a white-haired man. Or gray-haired. Well, man. sure. By the time he gets older and he's Commissioner Gordon, yeah, but I mean, you got yeah. you know. So, but not cartoon. He's got white hair. Yeah. So. Yeah. But if yeah, if you if you've, and and then we we're back to that conversation about you know the T-shirt that the, the band T-shirt that you, you you liked them before they were cool. I'm <laughs> telling you, I'm telling you that it's. I. That. That could get us off into a, a conversation that that I think we would want to avoid at least this time around, as far as the culture war, you know, it, you know, the gender bending and the race bending and all this other mess that's been going on. But I am thankful for the fact that you and I can have disagreements on things. <laughs> We're yeah. still friends. Well, and I think I think you know because uh, you and I have had some. Oh yeah. Disagreements. I, I've had some, you know, I look at this stuff and I think of all this, I, I think of all the television and movie stuff as an alternate universe. I mean, so much of this stuff simply, does, I, and a lot of people, it bothers a lot of people a lot and I get that, but it just completely, I just don't care. I just want to yeah. see a good performance from a good actor. And if I got a good performance from a good actor, you know what? It, it's fine because it's not the source material. It's a movie based on a right. comic book. It's not. A, it's not the comic book. It's not John Byrne's Superman. It's not George Perez's Superman. It's not. But it's, wouldn't that be cool? That would be amazing. But we're not going to get that. And the fact of the matter is, and we we've talked about this before here, and I think that the the idea you have you have to recognize that when you're moving from one medium to another, mm. it's gonna change. To and, a point. Well, but, but I mean, but that's it. But that's the, it. I but mean, change for change's sake. Well, and there, and, that, and that becomes the question as to whether or not it's change for change's sake, or you sit there and the director of the film sat there and went, "I so want to work with Jeffrey Wright, and he wants to play Jim Gordon." Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, I mean, so, yeah, I totally okay. have to think about this stuff. Well, for example, Lawrence Fishburne as Perry White, completely wasted in that part. Oh yeah. I mean, why did you get Lawrence Fishburne to play this part? Anybody could play this part because you got as because it shows up because you movie. you asked Lawrence Fisher and he says yes but the thing is is yeah it is wasted and unfortunately um, even though we might get the Snyder cut who knows at this point it's so hard to tell the idea that it wasn't going to happen at all is up in the air which is yeah. so bizarre but the I you know we ne- we don't know what you know Justice League was supposed to be two movies in this in the grand Snyder plan. Mm. And for all we knew, he had like one 15-minute scene of genius, and that was the plan, and that's why they cast him that we never got. And that yeah, I mean some of Yeah, but he was he didn't get very much to do in Man of Steel either. No, he didn't. But that's at a, all. Well, nobody at the Daily Planet got much to do with Man of Steel. But I think that you run into you run into something that has been going on for a super long time. It's not new in any way, shape, or form. And that's it's called unfairly, some, sometimes very fairly, unfairly. It's usually called stunt casting. Oh yeah, where you cast you cast a name to get, um, you know, people to come see your thing, whatever it is. Gene Hackman is Lex Luthor. 
Right, and uh, Marlon Brando is as the yeah. most expensive Jor-El in the history of Jor-Els. Yeah. And, and Robert, to answer your question in the chat, I don't think we'll ever see a ginger Black Panther, no. Um, well, I don't know. People dye their hair all the time. Um, I've heard I've heard mixed reviews. By the way, for those of you who are Black Panther fans, I've heard mixed reviews about 21 Bridges. bridges. Yep. Um, uh, some people have said it's a really fun, pulpy kind of ride. Don't take it too seriously, but, but it's a good drama. Uh, and I've heard a couple of reviews where it's been like, uh, they were hoping for more. Sure. And I'm like, well, okay. So I haven't seen it yet. I can't say for sure. Although it does look like a fun, you know... Mm. Uh, at least a fun cop movie. You talk about casting um, as far as being the draw. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of people that are making comparisons to with between the current Charlie's Angels movie and the other two. Mm -hmm. And, you know, talking about, well, why, why did the new one bomb? And, you know, Elizabeth Banks is saying, well, you know, it's all because of the men and whatever. And, and the people who are sitting there saying, no, it wasn't a good movie. Or you cast three people as the angels that nobody wants to see and by comparison you look at the other two films where you had Cameron Diaz who was a star mm -hmm. at the time you had Drew Barrymore who was a Barrymore you know and the E.T. factor and all of that she's she, Drew Barrymore and Lucy Liu was just coming off of Alec McBeal so you had three actors in parts you know, three actors who had an audience draw. They had, sure. there, there was a reason for people to go see them. And, oh, yes, I want to go see them. And, of course, you add Demi Moore to the mix in the second movie. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, and, no, it was very, it was yeah. very good casting for that. I think part of the problem for the new one, I wrote a really good review about this. I can't remember where. I read a lot, I read a lot of reviews. Uh -huh. um, and they basically said the biggest problem with the film is that they made basically the standard version of the film. It's like, they said the film is perfectly fine, but there's nothing original. There's nothing, there's nothing groundbreaking. It's a perfectly acceptable Charlie's Angels movie. Except is a generic Charlie's it's, Angels it's movie. It's, yeah. unfortunately, perfectly acceptable is kind of like, you know, 90% of the burger joints you go into. <laughs> and then you find that one place that just makes it perfect, you know. Yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, and this is not to say that the Charlie's Angels movies were great films. They're not. No. But they're, they're fun. First two are. The first I, haven't two, seen like, the, I haven't seen I, the new one. I haven't so. seen the new one either, but, the, but and honestly, I'm... Uh, it sounds to me like, like, and just watching the trailer, I was thinking, that's to me, that's like a Sunday afternoon movie where I got nothing else to do. Yeah. I put it in and it's like, oh, okay, this was a thing. And I, it killed an hour and a half. But... Yeah, the review is basically like, this is a perfectly um, acceptable movie. And that's the problem, is that there's nothing here to make you go, I've got to go watch this movie. Yeah. And even the casting of, what's her name? Um, Kirsten Stewart. Kirsten Stewart, who a lot of people have been realizing, apparently, that she actually has talent. And if you actually give her the stories to work with, she's quite a good actress to watch. Um, and apparently, you know, from what I heard, she's decent in the film. But yeah. the thing is, is that when you think of a Charlie's Angels movie, do you think of Kristen Stewart? No. no. I think of Farrah Fawcett. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's like, eh. Um, and I think we run into this. There's there's a strong argument to be made across the board for sequel fatigue. 
and uh, and franchise fatigue because how many Spider-Man films did we need before we got a Spider-Man film that people got excited about again? But all of those Spider-Man movies made money. Sure, but at the same time, we've had three Spider-Men, three actors in True. a really short period of time because they kept recasting. And I'm thankful of... that we've got Tom Holland in the MCU. And yeah, I'm he's too. a great Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Yeah. And I think that there's a, um, you know, there's there's something to be said for keep telling the story in the universe that you love. There's something to be said for that. And there's something to be said for take a break. <laughs> Maybe take a decade. Maybe take two. Yeah. Maybe well, don't come back to it in the lifetime of the people who were the original. Maybe, maybe that's what Phase Four will allow for. Is you know we we get a breather from the characters that we've seen all this time, right? And we get new characters. You get new characters, and and then perhaps you know the superhero film doesn't die out as. Although surprisingly, we talked about this before too. It's gone an awfully long time before yes, it's. It has. Uh, the, that's a lot of the concern of the the superhero film going, you know, burning out on everybody really quick. Well, if Joker's any indication, there's a whole new direction that it could go. Oh, sure. Well, I think that I think that one of the things that that we've known for a long time, if you're a comic book fan, uh, if you if your introduction to the comic world of comic books wasn't Iron Man mm. uh, or Batman v Superman or, or Man of Steel or whatever, any of the modern iterations of or um, you know, Gotham or Legends of Tomorrow or right. The Flash. If you've if you've seen been around for a while in the comic book world, the eighties and we're getting this and also thankful for the fact there's gonna be a Sandman T V series. Mm. And and Neil Gaiman has said that it's going to be fairly faithful to the comic book. Brought into the modern era. He said it's not gonna be it's not gonna be an eighties and nineties period piece. It's gonna be now. Uh, but Which makes sense. Yeah. Uh and also the fact that it changes, because Dream was Dream was tra trapped from the early twentieth century, and he said the addition of the amount of the additional years just changes the story in interesting ways. And mm. I'm like, okay, cool. Anyway, um, there was a lot of of grittier, darker, more psychological uh, comic books out there. A story like Joker, while very much in contrast to things like the Avengers and um, in terms of what's being done in comic books itself, is not an outlier. It's more, in, and there's there's a whole bunch of different stuff. If you go to a comic book store, you can find about every genre you like, from stuff that is very much aimed at children to stuff that is very much not. And if you need to find the comic book shop that is closest to you, if you go over to sci-fi-for-me.com, over in the right-hand column about halfway down, there is a link to the comic book shop locator mm -hmm. and that will that will take you to a website you just type so in your zip code where you are comic book shop. and there it is support them support them support them yeah because they're hurting but did you see the one in london oh i report we reported on this on good morning multiverse a couple of weeks ago I can't remember the name of the shop now. Orbital Comics? They're an Eisner Award-winning comic book shop. Hmm. They're in London. They're on, I think they're on the, one of the main thoroughfares places, you know, train, subway, or whatever. They have decided to stop, completely stop taking 
orders for new comics. They are only going to be back issues. Now, if you have a pull list, mm-hmm. they'll order special for you. Oh, okay. But they're not going to put first run comics on the shelves anymore. Hmm. There's uh, there. I guess there's there's no money in it. Because you look at what Marvel has been doing, and I saw something, I saw, it was either a YouTube, a headline somewhere, basically talking about, we are again in the 90s, <laughs> with all of the variant covers yeah, yeah, killing yeah. the market, and Marvel just keeps doubling down on this crap, where, you know, if you want this variant, you have to order 50 of this other one, and, and 20 of this one, and this, that, and the other, and no returns and, and all this other stuff. And like the the industry is dying. And it's gonna turn this doesn't help. And it's then, gonna turn to something else that it's not even gonna be recognizable. Well, I saw Richard Meyer did a video looking at some of the numbers for the Indiegogo projects. Mm-hmm. Um, and he specifically looked at Brian Polito's projects because Brian Polito has done a number of these now. Uh, Lady Death is his big sure, title. Yeah, yeah. And he's done, I think, four or five Indiegogos on the Lady Death series. And he's got a couple of others that have gone in. And Meyer has tracked the sales and the number of backers. And he actually did math on it, all this mm-hmm, stuff. Sure. He got charts and graphs. And it's very cool. And just looking at that microcosm, just at that one sure, right. slice the indie market the indiegogo market because indie comics like image or any of that there's that's a completely different thing than than the indiegogo creators because a lot of these folks when they say indie comics they really mean not dc and marvel right and and the indiegogo crowd is all pretty much self-published it's we're gonna i'm 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 taking orders you give me money i i hire a an artist or a writer or whatever sure and i find a printer and i do the fulfillment and all this other stuff well they're making bank you know myers made over nine hundred thousand dollars ethan van skyver's made over a million brian polito in the last in the last four years has made almost two and a half million dollars on these things and the question is, is the Indiegogo crowdfunding model sustainable? And you and, and everybody talks about how we're back in the 90s with the variant covers, the sure, number right. ones, the reboots, and this, those, the other. Well, that's when Image happened. Right, yeah. Where you had a number of creators got together. They said, we want to own our own stuff. We want to do our own thing that's not DC or Marvel. And here's Image. Well, now you have Comicsgate. You have the Indiegogo group the creators who are doing it on their own completely and it looks like so far you know we're i think two a a year and a half two years into it it looks like it might be a sustainable model for at least the near future which is really interesting to me and i'm thinking that's there's got to be other ways that you could use that model sure because we've been talking about doing an indiegogo Mm -hmm. project and doing a campaign but we don't have a book yeah, unless we come up with a book, because I've got an idea for a book. With it, and especially given the resurgence of Fangoria, right? Yeah, as a print magazine that's every quarter, I think we could do a zine. Yeah, yeah. 
You know, I, I have the formula for mimeograph ink. <laughs> we could we could you know print it here and you know and there's there's been some back and forth. Peter Smitty got into it with somebody over on Twitter the other day about you know we'll just get a printer because he prints something like fifteen thousand books a, a month. Yeah, it, I can't print it in my garage. I can't print it and just get a home printer and hook it up to the computer. I can't do that. Right. Um, but if you get something like the fanzine where you're doing 50 or 100 of them. Oh, sure. You know, you could do something like that. But then okay, uh, uh, Alterna has their printing partnership mm-hmm. where you can send your book and they connect it off the same print run. Right, yeah. So it reduces everybody's cost mm-hmm. and you just do it all, do the whole run all at once. And, you know, it'd be comic book format size. Yeah, the only downside of that uh, sometimes is that you might have a slightly longer period before it gets printed. I just yeah. did a similar printing job for work. Um, and, but even then, you're not talking like, you know, unless you're something like a really quick turnaround time. Right. Um, it's a really, really economical way to do things. And we could do a monthly. Oh, yeah. 24 pages, maybe, you know, mm-hmm. or, or, or 32 articles and essays and interviews. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we, no question. It, it, it almost would be like having Starlog back. Almost. <laughs> Dear Starlog. Uh, uh, speaking of which I finally finally I'm I'm so thankful that I finally published that art that interview mm -hmm. with Dave McDonald (sighs) yeah and then he he finally leaves a leaves a comment he said did I really say multi-talented I didn't mean that (laughs) he felt bad he was like well you know because he was talking about the time when he was he kept arguing with Norman Jacobs Mm -hmm. about increasing the cover price of the book sure because you know cost of paper goes up cost of printing goes up distribution goes up orders are going down and every time norm wants to raise the price of the book they would argue and say i can't you can't do this he says it's a good thing that i i was pretty much essential personnel i said i gave him all sorts of reasons to fire me and they never did but you know i had he was the only he was making it go right and yeah, I, I went back and I listened to the interview again. He did say multi-talented. He said, yeah, I meant to say multifaceted. <laughs> it still works. It still works. It still works. Um, well, and you know, again, there you go. Thankful for Frank Goria coming back. Yeah. Thankful for the resurgence of horror as a as a serious kind of movie-making thing that's happening. By the way, did you order your Frank Goria 1979 t-shirt? No, but I need to. Fright rags. They're limited. Yeah, I gotta you, do that. You get, get that. There's a Starlog t-shirt there too. Did you get it ordered? I haven't yet. Okay. I hope it sticks around. I get it. It's on my Christmas list. Yeah. The um, thirty-two dollars. That's uh, not bad. That's not bad. Um, I think I, I, I bought a twenty-four-dollar t-shirt in DC just to have the, you know, city oh. logo on it. Um, the you know, I went to DC. <laughs> it's my tour. My my little tourist splurge. But the. The fact that you actually have films like It Follows or Us or uh, The Witch. These are films, these are big blockbuster movies that played in movie screens that were taken seriously. There was a time when horror was in the wilderness years itself Uh where it was kind of like, you know, people tend to forget that Scream revitalized horror. The Blair Witch Project revitalized horror. This is stuff, this was... You know, slasher movies were out there, but I have news. 
slasher movies and horror films, or slasher films and horror films, are not necessarily the same thing. Right. Um, I haven't been scared by a slasher film since 1982. <laughs> um, and, you know, but this is something that really, you know, for, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the fact that we have good comic book movies now. The The audience has raised the bar for what they're willing to watch. Mm. And I think that, you know, this is because, you know, we actually got a, a Punisher TV series that was really well written. As opposed to three Punisher movies, of which, well, at least they cast interesting people in the lead. <laughs> I had that reminds me. I had a Dolph Lundgren. I had a dream the other night, and somehow I have absolutely no idea how how I got there, but I found myself inside a Punisher movie with Ray Stevenson. <laughs> As the Punisher, it wasn't. It wasn't. Did you just stand Jim, behind him because he was I, killing you know, everyone inside? I don't, I don't remember anything else about it. All of a sudden, I woke up and I was like, "What in the world was I doing in the Punisher movie?" <laughs> and where and, did that and the come Ray from? Stevenson Punisher movie? I know. I'm like, what, <laughs> uh, where did it come from? Because yeah. usually, when I, whenever I have a dream, and if I wake up and I remember the dream, I can usually go back, sure, and figure out, okay. What were the sub, what were causing those subconscious cues that got me there? You know, I ate this, I saw this, I talked to somebody about mm, this, sure, you sure. know, I heard this piece of music, whatever. Right. So I can usually track down all of the different elements where or at least these give yourself come an from. idea. Yeah. I'm like, I have no idea where that came from. It's very strange. Uh... I st- I still remember a dream that I had in high school, speaking of, of horror. Um where it was zombies in a bowling alley was a big a big piece of this. Sure, sure, okay. And somehow in this dream, I had the ability to ride a motorcycle, and we were trying to get away from the zombies in the bowling alley. I'm like, we do not do recommend I, on this show driving <laughs> motorcycles in bowling alleys. First no. of all. No. There's some pretty slick floors in bowling alleys. I'm not sure. You might actually just wipe out pretty bad. And then you end up with the bike in the gutter and uh-huh. the zombies are on you, man. You're just, it's, I know. I just, I, I don't, I don't know what. Now, that was back in the day because, you know, marching band, mm-hmm. oh, sure. you'd go after the football game and somebody in the band hosted the party after the football game. Sure, we always right. had, yeah, you okay. know, marching yeah. band to go. And nine times out of ten, they're running some. Day of the Dead, Night of the Dead, right, whatever sure. mm-hmm. you know, those films in the in you know, on on the TV. So yeah, okay, there was one time somebody put in Purple Rain, but most of the time, it was a zombie flick or you know Evil yeah, Dead or one of those things. You know, it's interesting. The um, I'm thankful that that zombie movies have kind of gone the way of, and for somebody who watches the Walking Dead stuff, and comments on it on a regular basis, um, I don't miss there being. A bazillion zombie movies. In uh, yeah. I mean, there. Um, I'm still holding out for a prestige miniseries of World War Z, an adaptation of the book. Um, you know, ten maybe a ten hour series, one season long, maybe one and out. Yeah. Um, but Robert says he only mini golfs. So there you go. I haven't mini golfed. Although I would, I think there's a short film. 
is zombies on a mini golf course and fighting off the right? zombies with that oh, could what be was it? fun. What was I saying? Oh, um, I just got an email about this today. Um, the the people who put out the movie 1917, which is the new World War One movie by Sam Mendes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, Mendes, and I can't remember the guy who's who's the director of photography. He's 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 really big. Uh, Deacons, Roger Deacons, hmm. and um, the way they tell this film. They do it in long takes, single takes, oh, yeah, uh-huh. long traveling takes, uh-huh, sure. right? So now they have a contest of where it's a short film contest, two minute single take. Tell your story in a single two minute camera shot. Yeah. And. You could do zombies in a in a mini golf course with a single yeah, yeah. A single camera. It would, be, it would require it would require some and choreography and, and, and yeah, and, but uh, oh, that could be kind of fun. And uh, make and make it a music video at the same time. <laughs> zombies in a mini golf course music video. I've been known to make uh, uh, things with music. <laughs> uh, I have not. I've never made a get Taylor Swift on the speed dial. I've never did, made. Did a, you see? Did you see her music video they did in the single take? Um, that's a piece of work. That is an impressive piece sure of work. I, and I can't remember what song it was, but it's you know it's doing all of this mm-hmm. back and forth and whatever. And um, uh, Herb Alpert has one uh, yeah. a music video out for his version of putting on the Ritz. Oh, okay. Which is the same kind of thing, and it's on it's on YouTube. It's a really good one too, because you know, it has a bus in it. <laughs> they go through the bus. It's, oh, it's a good, okay. it's a good shot. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it is an art form. It really is. Um, and God, what is the Russian film that was the first one to do it? And it was an obscenely long, I mean, it's just, it was the kind of thing where, where filmmakers sit there and go, no, we're not doing that long of a take. I mean, Birdman is. Birdman's impressive. It's not a single take. It is incredibly well edited. It is a beautifully edited movie, but it's yeah, cut you together. Can't see him. You, you can't, can't see, see him, seams. and that's genius. But it's there because they're they were very very smart, and they did a very. I mean, it's just a beautiful job. But there was some. Uh, there was some. I want to say it was a Russian film. Well, Hitchcock did it with Rope. Yeah, but prior to Rope, there was. Um, Oh, I cannot think about it, but it was this—it was this really long hallway, beautiful thing with all these Russian. It was like a Russian court, like uh, you know, eighteenth, eighteenth century, seventeenth century, and just this hugely choreographed thing that it was like if you blew one tiny, and there were so many people involved that if you yeah. blew one tiny thing, it was go, and they shot it a bunch of times. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, I just, I mean, the, there's there's so many cool things that go into that kind of shot that when you get it right, oh, there's so much fun to watch. I have The always, player was another uh, yeah, good player, one. Yeah, I have always wanted to do that kind of thing, just to, just to do it just at least it, once. Yeah. But yeah, it's one little thing goes wrong. And, and, and you're we, back to one. And, you know, you and I, in, in the films that we've made, we usually, you know, we have X amount of time to get a lot of stuff done. And you have to really invest the time to get that stuff right. And yeah. and, and that's great when people can do it. I, I love I love watching that sort of um, really uh, 
really great skill when they get it right. So what else are we thankful? We're thankful for our audience. Yes, yes, very much so. Thank you guys who, for uh, watching and listening and, and who've been watching and listening for a while and the folks who are new. The fact that we I, do this and have done this for as long as we have. I'm thankful for the 8.5% of people who have their notifications turned on. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good. I, you know, I Thank was you. looking I was looking at our stats over the weekend mm-hmm. and I was, I was looking at all of this stuff because I'm I'm you know, we're in this COPPA thing. I'm like, okay. Right, sure. sure. I, I, do we have 13-year-olds watching? And according to the YouTube statistics, our entire audience is male and they're one age group. Uh, I'm thinking that's not right. Because I know some women who watch the show, mm-hmm. and I know some people outside of that age group who watch the show. Sure. And the only thing that I can think of is that these are the people who are logged in. It doesn't see anybody else. Right. Because Probably. there's no way to track anybody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we have some folks in Germany who watch, oddly really? enough. Cool. Um, but, yeah, was, I'm like... Guten Tag, know. Guten, guten Abend, Guten Morgen. <laughs> Thank you for watching. Let's um, reach. Ich nicht spreche Deutsch so gut. Mein, uh, yeah, mein I, I studied German in high school and promptly forgot pretty Same much thing. everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, 35 to 44 years of age, males. And I'm thinking, that's all right. But that's probably who's logged in. So, But there are some subscribers that I know who are women? Yeah. It also, um, yeah, that's a good question. That, that's a, that's a. It's just very strange how how Google does things. Remember, remember back when they had. And by the, strange, I mean completely. Remember discombobulated. Back when Google used to have the slogan "Don't be evil." Did they really? No, I don't remember that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> See, we used to call it Skynet, but now it's Legion, which is a little bit worse. <laughs> it's uh, the book that I'm reading right now, Star Trek from Dayton Ward. Mm-hmm. Um, Section 31 that yeah. we've seen throughout, throughout all of these years um, apparently has an AI component. And it became sentient at some point in the past. It's called Uri, Uri, or Uri, or whatever. And however many times I read about this AI in the various different Star Trek novels that cover this, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking to myself, this is Facebook. (laughs) This is Google. This is social there were, media. There were fans who were very much afraid because the, the the Section 31 AI shows up in the second season of Discovery. It's where this AI came to be. Right. And there were a lot of people who were like, there were there was a legitimate fear that they were, because there were certain phrases that they used, the AI used, that were not Borg statements, but they were in that, that mode. That mode. Yeah. The funny thing is, of course, is that the Borg statements are pretty ordinary when you think about a lot of them. I mean, you will be assimilated is, is probably the most, right. you know, but resistance is futile. Not the first villain to ever say that. Um, right. Pretty sure. So there's, they're like, this, they're not going to make this the origin of the Borg. And it's like, no, 
No, that's not what we're doing. No, this is... This is a whole different... And we make the joke about Google being Skynet, but Google really is Skynet. Well, the, the, you know, I, I, the cool part about the idea of artificial intelligence is, I think, in the science of it. As, if, if, you're, if you're someone who's trying to find a way to make, to recreate in technology the way we think as a project, as a science project, as a task, as a mm. thing you can do, that's got to be so exciting to do as a scientist, as an engineer, oh, as a sure. programmer, sure. to find the ways to make this, to create, to create, a, it's creating a kind of life. I mean, that's got to be amazing and just exciting. On the other hand, um, as science fiction and horror readers will tell you, <laughs> humanity's track record with creating life from lifelessness uh, Just has, because you can do a thing does not mean you should do it. Right. And we go back to, you know, the, the, the book that really is the genesis of science fiction and horror, Frankenstein. Yeah. <laughs> How did that end? There, <laughs> How did it end, folks? I, I, I am, I am, uh, uh, it comes to mind Samuel Cogley's speech mm. about books. You know, this, you know, homogenized, pasteurized, digitized right. mess over here. You know, you really want to get into something, you get into books. And, and I've, I've always had an affinity for Samuel Cogley just because, you know, I, if, if I could say, you're looking for a promotion, crotchety. Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> if I could just sit down and just read all the time. The problem That's is, Jason, it would be the same scene where you'd break your glasses at <laughs> all the time in the world. Although I can see, I can see without my glasses, so I'm okay there, at least for now. At least for now. I um, think, you know, I think unfortunately that the thing is, is that there's so many possibilities with the positives of AI. The idea that you could have a computer companion, the idea mm-hmm. that you could have, you know, a C-3PO or an R2-D2 or a Robbie the Robot or any of these, these you know, and I've used to use some of the really super kind ones. The notable ones, yeah. Um, but there's other great, you know, especially in fiction, there's other great, you know, AI systems that are, are that are beneficial and helpful and, and, and they're part of, they're integral parts of the really cool storylines. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked a little bit about um, Asimov's Caves of Steel books, which, of course, there's a whole subsection of humanity this the, who basically have gone off to live in this almost isolated you know like one person to a thousand miles of, of land um but they've got all these you know cyborg or i'm sorry uh, android servants mm-hmm. and android uh, uh interactions where they don't only interact with androids and one of the main characters is this android detective and there's some really great stuff that with these stories and it's like every other human creation, you know, the, the, there's all these amazing, cool things about it. And yeah. And yet we keep, you know, we, humanity don't have a great track record with the toys that we build. No. A lot of them go boom and we don't use them necessarily responsibly. So well, why would we, why would we use it, artificial intelligence it responsibly goes, either? It goes to the whole, if you look at, if you look at uh, some of the reactions to YouTube's plan for COPPA, mm. we'll use machine learning. And everybody sits there and goes, 
No, don't. That's the terrible idea because it's, machine it, learning is terrible. Well, and, and the cool thing that there's a lot of neat stuff that goes with machine learning, but there's a, you keep coming back to a thing that is very, very important that a lot of these people tend to forget. And um, we have a comment on our Twitch channel. Hey, Tufel ninety one ninety one. I think I'm spell is saying there. It could be Teufel ninety one ninety one. Those have to be really comfortable chairs. Just to interject. <laughs> They are. They are very, very comfortable, comfortable chairs. chairs. The um, only, the only setback, the only drawback to our setup here is these are recliners, <laughs> <laughs> and where these chairs are right now and how this set is configured, we can't really do a whole lot of reclining. But I'll be perfectly honest. I don't think you'd want to. Folks at home, would that, you really? No, would, you wouldn't want to see. You'd them. have to bring the camera. Up and even then, you know, and this, high is, this is not the not most dynamic of settings no, as it is, not. let alone, you know, um, garbage oh. in, garbage out. That's the thing that people tend to forget when it comes to, that's, remember, yeah, remember when that was a thing that was, they would sit there, and this was early days of, early days of, yeah. of modern computing, where you go, in the, the 90s, really, the 90s and 2000s, garbage a in, garbage out was a big, with a thing. And it was, you know, um, something that I think for all the... The people who are really leaning into the, the the AI stuff. And again, I actually think AI is a cool thing, and I hope we can pull it off without... In a limited capacity. With, without wrecking humanity or the planet or the universe, because God knows we're good at it. Um, but garbage in, garbage out. If you don't get it right, um, you end up with, you know, asking the supercomputer, is there a God? And the supercomputer says, there is now. And, <laughs> you know, well, the, or the what's thing, the answer to life, the universe, and everything, and you get 42. 42. I mean, come on. Well, the other thing, too, is, you know, as, as in the case with this gamer that was talking about, you know, the, whether it's human error or something deliberate, switching, switching the setting uh, on the video from not for kids to for kids. Right. Where... And we've seen a number of, of stories now. Uh, Kotaku's run a few, uh, and I think Wired, a couple of other places, have talked about these call center type places where people working for very little pay mm -hmm. are having to manually review all of this stuff. Yeah. All of the violent and the and the racist and the crap and, and the, you know, the... The, these these kids generally are suffering from PTSD because of all of the stuff that they have to watch on all of the social media. Yeah, and the they're doing it on the cheap, Facebook especially. But oh they, yeah, you know all of these different little you know centers, various different places around the country. They're they're not paying a whole lot of money for these operations mm -hmm. and. There, there's very little support uh, for a mental health or anything like that. I mean, it's a grind. Yeah. It's a terrible grind. These, these are the modern social media equivalents of the sweatshops. When you consider and, how, for, I know, and, I, and I know folks who've actually had really great experiences working for call centers. They've actually enjoyed themselves. They've had, it, it, a lot of that's an environment, right? Yeah. It's the people you're working for and with. But I also know people who just thought it was the closest thing you could get to a modern sweatshop. Yeah. And even though, sadly, there are modern sweatshops out there in the world, some of them, you know, in country and out, but there, you do have to, I've, it's, it's, it's almost forced human error. It's almost, you're putting these people in position to fail. 
Oh yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's guaranteed at some point you're going to have some problem oh, yeah. because human beings can only do so much. Yeah. Well, and and I don't know if I had to spend hour after hour in the internet. Yeah. If I had to, if I had to watch Twitter for hour after hour. Oh lord. I'd probably get a little stabby. I. No, I know I get a little stabby. Just what I'd be wanting to stab at that point, unfortunately. There are days, and I and I have these every now and again. And of course, you know, you and I both have had issues with depression and, and yeah, that yeah. sort of thing. There are days when I look at Twitter, and I look at some of the garbage that's going on with Twitter, mm-hmm. and I look at some of the stuff on YouTube, talking about all of the back and forth. Um, and there are days I sit there and wonder if I, if I really want to keep doing this because that, you know, and I'm like, if, if, if certain, if certain people would just tone it down, but I know they're not going to help. And again, I just, you know, and I will say this again and again and again, the loudest voices online do not do not represent the vast majority of fans because I know. and because statistically speaking they can't and they don't but it is so hard sometimes so i'm thankful for the fans out there who are actually reading the books and buying the comics and watching the tv shows and going to the movies and who don't go on to twitter <laughs> and and complain about or 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 youtuber or any place and complain about things that okay you don't whatever it is you don't like mm. Sometimes it's okay just not to tell somebody or uh, to tell or to tell somebody yeah. maybe or, or not do it in a do it in a politer way if nothing oh, yeah. else. And, and I t- and I got to say I got I got to I got to say I am I am thankful for the the professionals mm-hmm. the creators the writers the directors the comic book writers the artists and whatever who engage in their who engage their audiences mm-hmm. respectfully and politely and I'm sorry you didn't like this how maybe you'll like this instead you know that kind of engagement goes a whole lot farther than oh yeah how dare you not like my book it's not for you go away you well and so it's and every now and again you get someone who says they're sorry on social media and it's super rare very rare yes but every now and again someone says they're sorry I haven't seen it and and Sometimes you even might believe them. Um, and I would say that if someone says on social media, because it is the kind of thing, and it is, we're, we're coming into the season of, of kindness and giving, right? That's the idea, right? Sort of. Thanksgiving is family, Christmas and Hanukkah and, and all these, you know, these are, this is the time of year we're supposed to be thinking about being kind to our fellow man, whatever your religious beliefs are. Um, We've got we to gotta pick at least one month a year where we can pretend that we're, we're nice to each other. I suppose. Um, but, you know... Uh, here's 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 my Christmas wish for you. Everybody, uh, stop using Twitter for a month of December. I don't. That's too much to ask for. I know, I know. But I will say this: is that because uh, I am thankful for for the fact that I do have friends I can disagree with, and we can have arguments you guys don't hear, um, and and still be friends. 
and still have the discussions. And <laughs> yes, you do. Um, but we can have these like really, really. You know, the the thing is, is that we can look at, we can talk about the things that we don't agree about. We can talk about the things that um, make us different. Because the great thing, you know, infinite diversity, infinite combination. Yeah. Star Trek, right, right. there, just sure. the Vulcan thing. We're different. I'm different than you. You're different than me. We're gonna be. If we were all the same, that be an AI, and it's boring. Yeah, I'd be. I I've got a, a whole world of me. What a terrible thought that would be. Oh, tell me about it. Oh, a whole. <laughs> he agrees. A whole world of me would be a terrible thought. But the thing is, is that we're not. And so you know, I mean. Just, just, yeah. Be, stay off Twitter for a month. I am on board. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know that you think of that no shave November. Exactly. No social media December. Oh, it'd be too right. Much to, too much to ask for. It would be nice, but sadly, <laughs> that's not the case. Probably not. Uh, speaking of, we do have a number of social media channels that you can uh, find us on: uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, mm -hmm. Pinterest for all the cosplay stuff, and of course, Salacious Crumbs is also on Facebook and Instagram. And the 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 thing what helps us the most here on uh, the social media as far as the video side of things, the YouTube and, and Twitch, but YouTube especially, uh, any kind of engagement, likes, you know, mm -hmm. give us a thumbs up, leave a comment, share the link to the videos if you're so inclined. Um, if you are not subscribed to the channel, uh, a subs you know, subscribing to the channel, it doesn't cost you anything. Hit the notification sure. bell so you know when we put new content out, which we do every every week. Mm -hmm. We've got brand new stuff. Um, and, you know, share it and, and tell other people about it. That's, that's how we're growing with word of mouth. And, and every little bit helps. And if you are inclined to support us you know, in a monetary fashion, there's a couple of ways you can do it. You've got the super chats and the super stickers over on on youtube when we're live and i think you can do super super chats when we're not live oh i huh? think okay um and of course we've got the paypal tip jar that you can do right, and then yeah. of course we have subscribe star account which is live all the time and we've got one one patron over there hey um it would be nice to have more, but you they're know, lonely. I'm, I'm not gonna go go not, go, go make them feel like they need not a have to thing. But <laughs> at some point, we might do a pledge drive type of you know uh, uh, a thing. Just just let's just take a Saturday and just do a PBS pledge drive for for the channel. As maybe. long as we can fill it up with content all day, we'll I think we could probably tune in for could. that maybe because we could play. You know, we could replay some old interviews. And sure, some sure, sure, stuff. some live sure. stuff. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for us tonight and for this holiday weekend. We do uh, we do hope that you all have a, yeah. a very nice Thanksgiving. If you get a chance to spend time with family, fantastic. If you get a chance to spend time with friends, um, even if you're just spending time alone is a good thing for you. Yeah, we I wish mean, you nothing but a, a fantastic Thanksgiving. Friendsgiving guys. is fine, just yeah. just as as well as and, as original. And since you since you brought it up, um, if you if you need someone to spend time with, let people know. Yeah. Okay. It's yes. holidays. Holidays can be rough for those people who deal with depression and things like that, and it can be extremely difficult. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Yeah. Reach out. Reach out to friends or family, um, and or one of the things social media has been good for. We've had we, there have been 
you don't hear them as much because good news doesn't travel as far as bad news. But there are people who have sat there and gone online and said, I'm lonely, I need someone to talk to. Yeah. And this has been an avenue where they've actually connected with other human beings. So take advantage of that. If, if that's what you need this, this holiday season, please ask for help. Phone a friend. Exactly. Yeah. Don't, or make don't a new be, one. Don't be a stranger. And, and if, you, if you need that contact, you know, it, every little bit helps. Yeah. And this oh. is how we'll defeat the AIs when they rise that's up to right. take over the world. That's right. Okay. Thanks very much for watching, and for those of you who are listening to the podcast, be sure you can uh, you can watch us live on YouTube and Twitch. And next week we will dive into Kappa, I think. Try to. Well, we'll see where it will. Unless something yeah. else yeah. comes up. Well, because the the uh, the comment time is right right yeah. after that, so I think timing wise, I think we can do it tomorrow next week. Okay, and then uh, no Good Morning Multiverse this week because of the holiday. No uh, we, Salacious Crumbs is off this week. Uh, Ranker Pit's off this week. Every, everything we're everything. pretty There's, much is off this week. We're the, this. we're the show. We're this week's yeah. show. <laughs> but we will be back to our regular programming schedule next week here on Sci-Fi for Me TV. Thanks very much for watching, Thanks, folks. guys. Good night. Copyright 2019 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.